Before we get started, this episode of the Food Grower Podcast is sponsored by Direct Plants Limited, and specifically their amazing range of polytunnels. We use these strong and affordable tunnels on both Jack's Patch and Fanfield Farm, and we love them. Direct Plants manufacture the tunnels themselves so that you can buy your polytunnel direct from the manufacturer, and not just any manufacturer, but from growers too, so that they really understand what you need. These traditional high-quality polytunnels are available in a range of sizes to fit your growing needs and they're manufactured here in the UK in Norfolk. We're delighted to bring you a brilliant 10% off the entire range at directplants.co.uk. Simply head over there and use the code FOODGROWER at checkout. That's FOODGROWER, all one word, no spaces, at directplants.co.uk. This episode is also brought to you by Natural Grower. Natural Grower's award-winning liquid fertiliser, plant feed and soil conditioner is made entirely from maize. It's naturally rich in nitrogen, potash, phosphate and other trace elements that plants and vegetables love. And it's approved by the Soil Association, Vegan Society and Biodynamic Association. The concentrated natural fertiliser can be poured around the base of plants, whilst the plant feed and soil conditioner can be mixed into the soil or used as a mulch on the surface as a long-term, slow-release fertiliser on all outdoor and indoor plants. Both Jack and I have been using the Natural Grower products this year and have seen amazing results and we have a fantastic 15% off the entire Natural Grower range for you. Simply go to naturalgrower.co.uk and enter foodgrower15 at checkout. Welcome to the Food Grower Podcast, the podcast that tells the story, highlights the techniques and talks tactics with food growers from all around the world. From market gardeners to allotment holders, field farmers to urban farmers, we want this podcast to inspire you to grow food or help you on your already existing food empire. I'm Chris from Fanfield Farm. I'm Jack from Jack's Patch. So this week we're going to do something a bit different. Um, We're finding ourselves in a very busy period of the year and it seems that we need to be uh, doing things a little bit different on the podcast. So I'm in the potting shed. Jack is actually working this morning. He's going to be back on our next podcast recording that we're doing this afternoon. But it's my absolute pleasure to welcome the hero of two episodes, not just one, but two, and our new business partner with Food Grower Academy and the podcast. It's Andy from Andy Grows Herbs and Urban Herbs. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm really good, Chris. Um, I mean, I should say that um, we talk we talk quite a lot, me and you, but it's really, really cool to be back on the podcast and kind of like sharing these chats with the wider audience. Um, and I know that as we're talking, you are potting up some really good looking pars- parsley plants, are they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, parsley plants. Um, so we put a small um, herb pot into our first veg boxes of the year as a little gift and we brand the pot up with a Fanfield Farm sticker so that um well it's a free gift and it's a nice little thing but also from a marketing point of view it means our branding's on their windowsill for the best part of the years <laughs> front of front of sight front of mind or whatever the saying is but yeah that's what i'm doing and what you're doing right now is actually one of my favorite jobs um it's quite hypnotic actually watching you while we talk pot <laughs> up these little plug plants because it's such a mindful activity um i really do love it really love it I've, I've really grown to love it this year. And I think that's because we're in our sort of third year here. And the first two years of setting up, like we didn't have polytunnels. It was dining room table or a wallpaper table in a shed that was falling down. Or, but this year we've really invested in our propagation space and our um, tunnel, like we've got a plant nursery polytunnel specifically for it now. And so the ease of doing it is 
the compost is there, the pots are there, here's the tray that needs doing, or here's the, the seeds that need putting up or whatever. And it therefore isn't hassle. And so I just, like, I'm, I'm out here every morning doing this. And it is the, um, I think Jack put up a post last night that his med- version of meditation is planting out lettuce. And, and this is definitely mine. I think that's what you're talking about. I, I totally relate to that. It's such a mindful activity that takes you away from whatever else is going on in your day, isn't it? And I bet that those parsley smell slightly amazing. So I'm quite jealous that I'm actually in my office right now and you're out there with the growth. It's made, it's inspiring me to get outside and uh, get some herbs potted up. <laughs> it is. The smell's amazing. Coriander's my favourite. The smell is just like you just have to brush past it and it smells. Uh, the downside is I have put compost in my coffee accidentally this morning. So. <laughs> so, you know, that's a really nice kind of lead in, right, to the question that I've been wanting to ask you. And this is like, for everybody listening, I've got to apologise because we're kind of talking shop here. Yeah. But how's your season been so far? Yeah, crazy. Um, and I think it's where we're really understanding how, I mean, it's hard to understand how seasons work with climate change and everything, but this is now our third season growing on this particular site, probably our eighth, ninth, maybe 10th growing season. But on a, on a site, you have to learn and understand and see what the climate's like. We moved out like halfway across the country, but across the coast to a different part. So we're starting to understand how the seasons work. And the first season we we're here, it was like this it was very hot from early spring it was warm it was dry extremely dry and then last year was sort of like the trough as I call it a very wet summer was hard to get going slugs and pests and things were a real problem and it feels like we're now back on that sort of peaks and troughs kind of thing so it went from sort of being able to do building projects getting set up for the season not slow but in a way that was kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm recovering a bit from the last two years. And then suddenly spring went, which is what we want. I'm being trying to be positive about it, which I, I am because it's lovely. But um, it went, we're here <laughs> and now it's really warm. The ground went from being hard to walk on because it was wet to cracking, which is what our clay soil does here. And so it sort of announced itself, which I remember spring doing as a, like when I was a kid, but it announced itself and that's when everything went, yep, we're going to grow now. So we went from these trays that were growing quite slowly and seeds that were growing slowly to everything being ready to pot up or go out. Um, the beds are made, but they're like sort of with the, um, with the warmth and the sun weeds are going, yep, we're going to grow as well. And so it's very much a, we spring into spring but everything sort of announces it's ready to, for you to do something with it or to, to work on it. And that's been a challenge to manage um, without help at the scale that we're doing it at, if that makes sense now. Because how many raised beds have you got planted up at the minute? Uh, so we've got 140 made and out of that planted, I think we're probably at 40 to 50 so not a huge and i'd say 40 actually not a huge amount but um you know maybe 50 actually yeah but not but obviously we've got to take into account successions and things so there's a lot um planted out and a lot more than i thought there would be at this stage of the year or certainly that has been in the last couple of years yeah at this time 
Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? The, the difference that each year makes. And I hope that so many people listening to this will, will relate to what we're talking about right now. But I remember when I first started doing uh, this, this job, running Urban Herbs, an older grower said to me that the reason why this is so difficult, but also why it's so addictive, why it keeps you coming back for more. Yeah. Is that each year is different. Yeah. And you only ever get one shot <laughs> at the 21st of April yeah. each year. So, you know, I've been doing this for kind of 12 years now, but I've only experienced 12, 21st of April. Mm, that's a really good point. And every single one of them would be different. I can guarantee you. And this older grower, he compared the growing season to a game of snooker. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, um, one player breaks off, the white ball hits the reds. Yeah. And not once do they all end up in the same position. You could play a million games of snooker and the balls would always go in different directions. And it's like that with the growing season. That I totally relate to what you were saying about this season compared to last. But I also think that it's really important to actually go back another year because mm -hmm. uh, in 2020, in lockdown, so many people got into growing, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, big time. And I also think that directly relevant to what you guys are doing down at the farm, so many people around the world started to join the dots together and they started to realise actually small-scale food production is actually really important. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think living in a very small flat, say, in the middle of London or whatever, became less attractive because being, you know, brutally honest, you know, lockdowns, it made us realise that they can happen. Big time. So I think a lot of people, their first growing season, whether it was like small scale experimenting or uh, a small allotment just getting started or whatever, their first growing season was 2020. Mm. And 2020 was like an amazing year for weather, for yeah. growing conditions, right? Yeah. Um, I, I remember, you know, in the first lockdown, I think it was like around April. And I literally remember turning to my wife and saying, do you know what we could really do with the temperature going up right about now? <laughs> and it was like somebody, one, wasn't paying the electricity bill, and two, heard me. Yeah. Because instantly the temperature goes up, the sun comes out, it's not too wet, it's not too dry. And I think that 2021 was then more of a, um, a gut check. I think it was more of a humbling experience because actually the weather didn't play along. No, it was tough, wasn't it? And uh, it's really fascinating, actually, because uh, we delivered to a customer who places a very large order every single year around this time of year, you know, middle of April. Mm. And it was so much easier meeting the requirements of their order this year than it was last year. Yeah. Same week of the year but we had so much more choice in our polytools because the weather was so much easier. Production was so much easier. Um, mm. And 
I suppose from our point of view, the the sort of uh, the additional knock on effect of this is that when our customers kind of uh, get the herbs, they plant them on. And because growing conditions are easier, they're nicer. They actually have a situation where they enjoy better success growing. Mm. So they enjoy the herbs even more. We are able to supply them even better. And it's just so beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, because of risk to your business in that you're, you're, you are supplying something that still takes an element of skill for them to enjoy at the other end, aren't you? So. There, there must be a, a period in grow, bad growing seasons or harder growing seasons or even in good ones but with unskilled people that some of that blame can or sometimes is a portion to you. So in better growing seasons, it must be an even happier success rate in that people can't mess them up as easily and therefore can't blame you. I obviously know it's not in any way your fault when someone else messes it up, but that must be, that must be quite a sort of reassuring thought. Chris, shall I, shall I share a bit of a business secret on the podcast? Yeah, go on. This is an exclusive. This is an exclusive. Brace yourself, everybody. <laughs> At Urban Herbs, we genuinely try to grow varieties that are kind of easy to grow. <laughs> so uh, that makes, makes it easy for us to either grow or maintain um, stock that we carry. So it have a, you know, a longer shelf life for us. But the other knock-on effect is that it's easier for customers to then grow on themselves. So, for example, you know things like basil or mm -hmm. um, coriander, uh, dill, for example. They tend to be a little bit more high maintenance. You know, with basil, you get a cold breeze and it kind of falls over. It just it doesn't like the British climate sometimes. Agreed. Yeah. And when somebody buys like a pot of herbs from Urban Herbs, I kind of want it to be that, okay, I know that three, 349 or whatever it is a pot, it's not like a huge amount of money, but I want somebody, even if they don't have that skill, to be able to get like a full season of growth mm. from that, that plant. So, for example, lime mint, you know, if you measure it in number of uh, cocktails that you've produced using that that plant <laughs> the normal measurement yeah 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 i think that's how all of our customers measure it to be honest <laughs> um i would say you know you want to get like sort of five six seven eight cocktails minimum from that plant a day <laughs> <laughs> i think do you know something by the end of the season i think that will be the uh that won't be a joke to be honest but yeah. um so, yeah, I guess we cheat. I guess we grow things and we stock things that are easy to grow. But then I think that's reflected in other people as well. Um, does, does that, um, do you ever consider that some things are, careful I word this, but like so easy to grow? Like you supply, you sent me an amazing strawberry mint and it's the most sensational thing. And as soon as Pim's season is here, I'm going to be happiest man in the world in the world for that but say mint for example it's unbelievably easy to take cuttings and propagate really isn't it does that ever sort of cross your mind as an impact to the business that you supply things that not all of them but say mint as an example like if someone buys a mint plant from you 
and they watch a YouTube video, they probably won't buy another mint plant from you. Does that cross your mind or impact? Yeah, and I think that, well, I think the short answer is, is that it's not really something that we've thought about, but mm. it is it is a really, really interesting question. And the reason I say that, Chris, you know what I'm going to say now, right? It's time for a tangent. <laughs> we need to <laughs> listen to the Urban Herbs episodes with Andrew. Um, go back and listen to them. But what we needed at that point was a tangent alarm. Um, so we need a tangent alarm for, uh, for Andy's episodes of the podcast. <laughs> In my mind, I'm kind of hearing that Kill Bill sound, sound effect, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll invert the colours and you'll turn up in a yellow jumpsuit. <laughs> so tangent number one yeah and this this goes right to the core of what we do so i'm guilty of being a gardener i love gardening i love growing it's my hobby i you know it's the best hobby in the world in that it gives me so much in terms of well-being benefits in terms of fresh ingredients yeah but it but it is a hobby now we will plant a load of potatoes in raised beds outside and i will spend an afternoon planting them i'll spend hours and hours looking after them watering them earthing them up i will spend hours harvesting them and always missing a few right you always leave a few in the ground and then they come back and you It's a hobby. Mm-hmm. And it the amount of hours that I spend doing that, it doesn't justify itself cost-wise at all. Sure, you get all the well-being benefits and the the fresh ingredients and all those lovely things that I've talked about. And that's kind of how I view it, you know, in terms of um, Urban Herbs customers, that people lead very busy lives. People have got things going on. And actually, I suppose when they order from us, what they get is like an established like nine centimetre plant that's just literally very little effort involved. It's there. It's ready to go. Put it in a pot, say three to five times the size of the one it's in now. Yeah. Let it go. And bang, you've got flavour for the entire season. You know. I always think that like with gardening, like, you know, you definitely, you growing things in general, you can do anything. Yeah. You're right. You know, you can watch YouTube videos, you know, people, you can do whatever you want, but I think it also comes down to like, like what facilities you've got and how much time you've got that, you know, to successfully propagate herbs, you know, it's helpful to have that growing space. It's helpful to have those kind of controlled conditions, which um, you know, you're you're potting up in a lovely looking polytunnel right now. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people haven't got access to that. No. And so I guess it's kind of like we're provide. I see it that we're kind of providing a service, if that makes <laughs> any sense at all. Yeah. Don't you? Are, yeah. Um, and also, you know, we provide banter regularly on our social media channels, and uh, so I guess we're providing an entertainment service as well. And, and education. I mean, when you've sent me boxes of herbs, it's been an education. It's been an experience. And I think that's what's made you do so well this year is the experience of opening those 
boxes and a smell and come come and smell this everyone who comes gets strawberry mint or blackcurrant sage shoved in their face whether they want to or not um so yeah there's an experience and an education side to it as well which is i find really exciting Mm. i think that's really key as well the experience element Mm. because i kind of view the herbs that we provide as being like a taster menu that you'd get at a Michelin star restaurant. Nice. I like that. You know, that you wouldn't necessarily, if you buy like one pot of Vietnamese coriander from us, it's important to be real with people. Like you're, you're not going to be able to like live on that one nine centimeter pot of Vietnamese coriander for the rest of your life. No, but it's a chance to try new and exciting flavors flavors that you might not have tried previously Mm. um we've just launched like two new collections by the time this this podcast is released i I can almost guarantee that they will have sold out but (laughs) the the idea behind them is really really sort of cool to me it's we've done like a foodie classic collection which is like your staples which is like your more kind of like basic ones and then we've done a foodie adventure collection Awesome. So, you know, you've got your herbs. If you let's say that you've just moved into a brand new house and you're kind of just setting out and you just want a little herb garden for this year, you've got the foodie classic collection. But if you want to go down that route of doing a full on herby taster menu, you've got the foodie adventure option where you try new flavors like Vietnamese coriander, hot and spicy oregano, black currant sage. Amazing. And, you know, whether we whether we know it or not, that experience is actually worked into all of the products that we do and all of the um, social media content that we do. Because thinking about it, that collection is kind of like the menu that you'd get in a restaurant because you've got your Vietnamese coriander, which would be great for a little rice starter. Yeah, I love it. Got your hot and spicy oregano for your main. You've got your strawberry mint for your dessert blackcurrant sage for a little cocktail after your meal and do do you see what i mean i think it's all about that experience that increasingly we live oh are we at risk of tangent number two here (laughs) let's see what happens we haven't finished tangent number one andy (laughs) well i I just want to hear that kill bill sound effect again um I actually think that increasingly we live in a world where at least for the time being, you can pretty much get whatever you want, whenever you want. And it's really cool for someone else to choose what you're going to have. So it's really cool like for us to put together a collection of plants and actually say, do you know what? I think you guys are going to love this. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, in, in answer to your question, I reckon we're, we're kind of providing an experience, you know, and that's my favourite part of our job. I mean, uh, you know, once upon a time, I mean, I would have said that it was doing what you're doing right now, which is like potting up plants. I, I, I still love it. But increasingly, as the years go by, I think my favourite part of the job is actually passing that experience on to other people and then hearing their reaction like getting really nice positive messages from people yeah. when their herbs arrive, just going, wow, 
blackcurrant sage smells amazing. I think there's something really important there, and it's something that we've been thinking of. We were talking to someone yesterday, and sometimes when you're growing food, especially when you've got a task list that, like I used to complete task lists in a week, and now I know that I've got one that's going to be 50 years long and I'll never complete it. And that's been such a, <laughs> a mindset shift. But when you have lists that long, and you want to be mindful in tasks like this, or you just want to do the bits that you kind of enjoy or anything like that, you look at the micro levels of tasks and the micro effect you're having in the world. And you forget about the bigger, I think macro, sort of the bigger look. And, and that's something that happened to us last year. Um, we went through something quite traumatic. We shut down sort of looking at the bigger part of the business, at the customers, and we just did the day-to-day micro stuff to survive and um something that's really occurred to us this year is that the experience was not right and the experience of what we do is different to the experience of going and getting your veg from from um sesco or tainsbury's as <laughs> i'll avoid the actual names um so we've really looked at that and it, it, we had to look at it at every level and that was from say the IT system we use for people to sign up and to be able to change their boxes, the ability to add or subtract from their boxes, but also down to the fact that our veg box includes, like you're saying, we get to select what food people get that week, or us and nature does anyway. Um, and a part of that is that some of the stuff isn't nor- isn't normal to most people. We grow kohlrabi as an example, just sort of like a I call it an, like a, a sort of turnipy kind of cabbagey kind of thing but people see it and it looks alien to people and they don't know what it is so part of the experience and almost part of our duty is to help people know what to do with that and how to use it and so that's something we've really had to think about this year and we're actually in the process of building an outdoor kitchen on the farm um, which will allow us to have workshops or things going on here so that we can show people how to use what's in their veg box we can work with chefs to do that and here's it I've got a challenge for you in fact so tomorrow um my new toy slash definitely business expense pizza oven turns up and part of what we want to do especially for volunteer days or um open days on the farm is have a pizza oven lunch so my thought is a big table like this, herbs and ingredients all down the middle. So I think I need a specific urban herbs collection, the pizza collection. What's my pizza collection of herbs going to be? Well, it's Chris, we, we talk quite a lot and, you know, it's quite dangerous you suggesting things like this because <laughs> like three o'clock this afternoon, I'll probably do it. I'm very um, <laughs> Can I just say as well, before I answer that, can please, can, can Urban Herbs uh, please be booked in for the first Fanfield Farm Food Festival, whenever this happens? Absolutely, it sounds great. Um, but yeah, um, Herbs for Pizza, I, I'm sorry, I'm a bit distracted because that is just such a cool idea. And I literally can't wait to come down to enjoy that. Um, herbs for Pizza, so... I think it's important to cater for everybody's taste mm. because, you know, some people like myself, like pineapple on pizza, others don't. Oh, preach, man. I love pineapple on pizza. And I always get a look, even Good from man. when I used to get Domino's, the look from the driver was judging. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's your job, mate. Like, don't judge me for having both both pineapple and black olives on a pizza. Move on. Exactly. Well, the, the thing is, everybody has different tastes. And what's really cool is that those different tastes are reflected. Mm. They're reflected in the herbs that people order from us. And I think when I'm putting a collection together, like this pizza herb collection, I'd want to try and cater for as many different tastes as possible. So I would definitely put the barbecue rosemary in there for a bit of like smoky flavor. Love it. I would definitely include the hot and spicy oregano. Yes. For those that like it a bit more spicy. Yeah, like a replacement to chili oil. Yeah. Um, I think... I'd be really, really curious about how orange thyme would work on the pizza as well. Oh, I haven't got orange thyme. That's an interesting one. See, orange thyme is one of the most underrated herbs that we that we use because it's kind of not as sexy as like sort of lemon curd thyme or blackcurrant sage or strawberry mint. But in some ways, it's more useful because the citrus flavour is more subtle. So it truly is a mix of thyme and citrus, but very light. So right. I think that would be really interesting on a pizza. Um, right, we've got the others. Yeah. Do you know something? Actually, society garlic needs to be there as well. Do you know what? I love society garlic. And one of our neighbours here gave us a pot, a big established pot of it when we moved on. Now, I don't know if you found this. Um, and I should probably say I've heard because I shouldn't admit to knowing what marijuana smells like. But when you water society garlic, does it smell like marijuana to you? I've heard. <laughs> the Do reason you know I something? planted it right by the gate of our farm, and because we have to live in static caravan for the, uh, for the, <laughs> for the um, temporary planning permission we have here, what we didn't need was any more of a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> and that certainly didn't help whenever it rains, but maybe it's just me. Well, Chris, my, my first job this afternoon is, is going to be putting my nose to a couple of pots of Society Garlic and uh, doing some further research on this. Um, <laughs> Good answer, because you haven't answered whether or not you know what it smells like. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? This is ne- that is a question that I've never been asked before. Hey, there we go. If, if you were editing the uh, the highlights of this podcast, I reckon that that could be it. The uh, <laughs> the slightly the slightly stunned silence um, from in the urban herbs office. Because I'm, I'm done now. Like that's it. End of the podcast. I've done what I wanted to do. Find a question you haven't been asked before. That's what Parkinson always tried to do, eh? Well. <laughs> I reckon that you could be the Michael Parkinson of horticulture. In answer to your question, I don't, I don't know. And but this afternoon, I'm going to investigate this further. Uh, the, the society garlic, uh, not, not, not marijuana. Yeah. Um, okay. Sure. We are delighted to have partnered on the Food Grower podcast with React Tools. React Tools are the number one place for market gardening and growers' tools in the UK. We have seen tools like the Jang Cedar, Paper Pot Transplanter and the Iconoclast Tilther across the world and been envious of growers with access to them. Well, now you can get your hands on all of these and much more. All shipped free from the UK on any order over £100. Make your food growing easier and more efficient with the best market gardening tools on the market. 
Plus, with the partnership with us, the Food Grower Academy, we are now giving 5% of all purchases back as tools to new community or not-for-profit growing projects. Head over now to reagtools.co.uk. That's reagtools.co.uk. Um, yeah, sorry, I interrupted. So Society Garlic on a pizza for the pizza? Yeah, and to be fair, we do the collections in sixes, so I, th- I think I need one more. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a really difficult choice. I think I would go quite traditional. And I would actually put, because we've got the barbecue rosemary, uh, providing that smoky flavour. I think I would actually go quite traditional and I would put maybe something. No, forget traditional. Let's go with garlic chives because I know it's a lot of garlic, but then I can never get enough garlic in my life. I love garlic. And, and it mosquito season or midgy season or nut season, whatever you want to call it. And yeah. apparently garlic keeps them away. So that's my excuse for having bad breath all the year. Round. <laughs> well, do you know something? We've actually been doing an experiment. Um, I can't name the exact product at the moment because we're still doing the trials and stuff but we're actually using like a garlic um a garlic based spray in our own kitchen garden and it's completely kind of um uh, non-chemical solution Mm. It, it seems to be doing a really really good job just keeping pests away yeah and it has the lovely added side effect that actually whenever i use it there's a really, really cool smell of garlic, which I mean, it just makes me hungry. So I would put <laughs> garlic chives in the pizza collection as well. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, you know, the fusion of the onion and the garlic together. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, Chris, we're recording this kind of early in the morning and I'm actually craving a pizza right now. <laughs> um, uh, this is what I'm worried about, about getting a pizza oven, because once it's fired up, they're 400 degrees in temperature mm. and you cook a pizza in about 20 seconds to 30 seconds and any longer than that it's severely burnt so my access to pizza has just sort of got about 500 percent it severely worries me that i'm going to be having breakfast pizzas pizzas lunch pizzas and dinner pizzas but there we go um there's something that we uh spoke of, that you mentioned earlier that i wanted to bring back up was that um you mentioned that it's like in terms of hours of investment for growing food, it, you don't really get a return on investment other than the benefits of growing your own food in terms of a financial investment. And I think that's really something I wanted to, to sort of come back to because you are completely right. But isn't that wrong that that's the case? And it's something that's being talked about a lot in the in the news at the moment, rising food prices, putting a lot of blame on things going on across the ponds, but I don't think that's really the root of it. Um, but not to get into that, but it, it's, a, it's a talking point at the moment. But if we actually look at food prices, they are, it's, it's difficult to say this because to some people they aren't cheap, but in terms of the inflation and the rising food prices versus the rising cost of, say, technology televisions houses they are astronomically cheap like if the rate of i read a fantastic fact the other day that if the rate of food had gone at the same rate as the rate of houses a whole chicken now would cost 75 pounds not five pounds so you see and and this isn't always the case it's not the case with market gardens or veg box schemes or um but 
supermarkets putting a kilo of carrots on for 60p yeah why would you or, or other than the health benefits if you're looking at it purely from a financial point of view why would you grow carrots and it's it there's such a huge disconnect there isn't there there absolutely is and i think there's there's kind of two distinct kind of elements that can come from this mm. So the first one is, is that actually I should probably qualify what I said previously, that it's not, it does make financial sense to actually grow certain things. So yeah. kind of like we followed this, this mantra um, for the last 10 years, which is that we should grow expensive ingredients in small quantities. So um, for example, you know, like French tarragon, if you buy like a little packed French tarragon from the supermarket, it only lasts like basically a couple of days. Yeah, a push. And so basically you're talking like two meals. If you have two meals that involve French tarragon in two days and it costs like, I don't know, the last time I looked, it was like £1.20, £1.30. Yeah. And to me, that's quite a lot of money. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm just a bit stingy with the cash, but that seems like quite a lot of money. And, yeah, definitely. It certainly is when you think that you could get a kilo of carrots for a pound or whatever. Mm. So I would suggest to people that they grow unusual and expensive ingredients in small quantities. But the yeah. other kind of element to this, and this is the kind of the one that brings it right back to the point that you're making, is that I think cost is only one issue that we're dealing with in this modern environment. 100%. Yeah. The, the, the other one is control of supply. That increasingly we are now seeing uh, shortages of certain things. Mm. We're seeing disruption to supply. And I think people are becoming increasingly aware of this. I mean, I certainly am that, actually we go through periods now where there does seem to be shortages or price increases of certain random items throughout the year yeah and if you for example let's use that example of tarragon if you have got a pot of tarragon growing outside your kitchen door or on your windowsill you are in control of the supply yeah um a lot of people listening to this I think are what I would term like kind of ethically minded. So, you know, even if you're not like a, a campaigner for these things, I think increasingly so many people now have got that thought process that, you know, that they actually do care about yeah. the production of whatever it is that they're eating. It does cross their mind. Definitely. And I think that when you grow your own, when you grow your own food, it kind of allows you to take control of that ethical decision-making process. Yeah, I mean, we always say it's the ultimate act of rebellion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's also a lot of responsibility because at Urban Herbs, we've kind of got this mantra that we use quite a lot, and that is that you should define yourself by what you are rather than what you are not. So define yourself positively. So don't really? say, 
you know, don't say what you're not doing. Say what you are doing. Make a positive difference, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you've got that pot of tarragon on your windowsill, you know what production methods you're using. You don't need to worry about uh, plastic packaging because you are the producer. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to worry about food miles because you can get a tape measure right now and you can measure from your windowsill to your food preparation area. Mm. You're reducing food miles literally to food centimetres. So you are taking control. And maybe that is the most important thing at the moment. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. it, smells, it smells pretty good on your windowsill as well. Yeah. Well, I'm always baffled because the talk about our veg boxes is often turns to the lettuce. And I'm very proud of our lettuce. It's something we've honed over many years. Um, but the, the comment when we first send a box out is, oh, the lettuce is still going seven days on. Now, what I'm baffled about is that that I'm not baffled that that's the comment because I'm aware that supermarket lettuce, you get two days if you're lucky. And then there's a horrible bit of water at the bottom, which makes the rest of the lettuce gone. And that's it. Three days in the bin. Um, What I'm more baffled about is that lettuce is one of those examples, like you're talking about French tarragon there, is that it can go on your windowsill. It's an expensive product, but it is remarkably easy to grow. Um, And so it's something like a little herb garden on a window box is it's baffling that to me that people don't necessarily have that. It's the same with lettuce just outside your door. Um, so yeah, no, I completely agree. There are certain crops there that, and, and there'll be people listening to this that don't have a balcony or don't have a window box and are in fire ice flats. And it seems that if you want to get your hands out and get dirty and get some free veg, things are popping up everywhere now. So do go and have a look. We had a volunteer yesterday who had started up a pollinator patch in the car park of a closed down bank um, in a local area. And they were mainly grown for bees, but obviously thrown in with that was lettuce and different things as a sort of little pollinated food patch uh, or food forest. And that's about, there's several allotments that have been given up to, uh, there's Grow Eastbourne locally to here, a, a patch that has been, several allotments given up to a group of community and they grow with volunteers and children and, and food. So those spaces are out there and it's definitely worth looking to get involved. There's an amazing um, DTU derby going on up that way. So especially in the UK, these little patches are popping up all the time. And I say that because I've also got to check the time because we've got volunteers coming. Ah, I've got, I've got time. It's all right. We've got volunteers coming today. So I just wanted to mention that because I know people will be listening so oh, I haven't got space to do that, but there are these opportunities to get outside and I implore you to do it because it will be amazing for your mental health as well. Yeah, oh, big time, Chris. And the other thing as well, is just listening to you talk so well about that. I just, I think that maybe in recent years, one of the things that's kind of, I say frustrated me, but that sounds negative, but let, let's stick with that for now. Yeah. One of the things that's been a challenge to me, I guess, is the idea that actually <clears throat> one of the things that's kind of challenged me in recent years is the idea that actually planting these small projects is like a futile act of protest. Mm. It's almost like um, 
uh, a martyr type situation that actually like, well, it's not going to make any difference, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I think there's a real change in mindset now that it's not about a futile act of protest. It's like planting up a small area for bees can make a huge difference. You know, we've we've uh, as a society and there's no judgment involved here because people do what they need to do. Right. Mm-hmm. we've embraced the concept of low maintenance gar- gardening. You know, many of us have got multiple vehicles in a household. Yeah. So we pave over front gardens. Mm. And that means that bees are increasingly deprived of sources of urban pollination. Yes. But it's not futile. If anybody listening to this, if you put a few pots on your front drive, you fill them with, I'm just going to plug the herbs, right? But if you fill them with herbs, the other pollinators are available. Um, (laughs) If you fill them with herbs and you try and design the pots so that there's something offering the bees a source of pollination throughout the season. So maybe like a pot of chives early on, because that's one of the first thing that flowers in the herb garden. And then a couple of different varieties of lavender. So maybe like a a hidcut or a munstead that's going to flower in midsummer. Hyssop that flowers a little bit before that. I'm really um, struck they're all in reach not to do a show and tell as you say them, like I'm at a school, like show and tell. <laughs> and, and actually like something like Vera, Lavender Vera, which it goes on a bit later into the season. So mm. it'll still be flowering. I mean, our, our Lavender Vera was actually, I think it was flowering kind of like late October last year. Yeah. And so that provides the bees with a long season of pollen and if you literally pot up like four five six pots on your front drive you've provided the bees with that source of pollination imagine if everybody did that yeah that isn't a futile act of protest that's a game changer and that's kind of what i mean about defining yourself by what you are as in be the change that you want to see Mm. like you know could we all do more Absolutely. But I think a lot of people are doing a little bit. And when a lot of people do a little bit, that adds up to a lot. Do you like the Urban Herbs Maths lesson there? I do. I liked it a lot. I think there's 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 even you can add to that and do things that you wouldn't even consider and take no effort as well. So you add those pots to your front lawn or your front garden. Um, and in your back garden, leave a patch unmown because uh, uh, unmowed unmown <laughs> just to, i mean i'm addicted to mowing as much as the next person but leave a small patch where dandelions and clover can pop up because they are very early flowers as well little things that if you need a bit of screening rather than the standard lilandi everyone puts in because it covers up things quickly put a few willows in because they the the buds off of willows as they produce their leaves early in the season again give bees that boost and even like cherry blossom. Man, I was in my sister's garden for her little one's first birthday the other day and bees were falling to the floor under the cherry blossom tree. This isn't a bad thing. This is them getting pollen drunk. <laughs> on mm. the, on the, and, and, and so, it, yeah, things like that are amazing to see. And so actively creating pots on the front doorstep and then sort of just not accidentally, but just meaningfully leaving patches. You've got bees coming in, in and out through the garden. It's just... And from a purely selfish point of view, 
if you're then growing veg and you need that pollinated, <laughs> they're going to do that for you as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's yeah those small little acts that can be both mindful and mindless almost will definitely make a huge difference, especially when the powers that be don't seem to care about bees. Well, Chris, the sort of the take-home quote from this chat is the pollen drunk element. Is it possible that we can start a campaign to uh, get the get all the bees pollen drunk this year? That's a new T-shirt waiting to happen. Get bees drunk. Yeah, I love the idea of our gardens becoming like a town centre at three a.m. full of uh, full <laughs> of bees who have had a good time. You know, outside the uh, bee version of Yeatsies singing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Andy, I just wanted to ask you the question as well, back to you before we wrap up, because I'm aware of the time, um, but how your season is going, because um, I think it's fair to say our businesses are really different, um, but I think it's just as important to inspire people into sort of horticulture business and things. And I really have been delighted to hear of how well your business is going. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, Obviously, within the realms of what you're comfortable to talk about but I think as a, as a as you mentioned earlier in the podcast people have got into growing more people have wanted to do this maybe as a job so it'd be really sort of interesting to hear don't copy urban herbs but getting into maybe a food growing business or a horticulture business or a business that helps others grow food as well so I should say as well that this is something where I think I think you'd agree people need to watch this space because um, myself, Chris and Jack at Food Grower, you know, we have got some kind of big news coming for you in this, this area that this is something that we're going to be talking about a lot over nice. the coming. I wasn't even, that, but that's brilliant. Well, done. <laughs> um, well, I can't resist dropping these little hints because if you're listening to this right now and you're wondering what I'm on about, you should be excited because we have got some big news coming. But you asked me how urban herb season is going. And traditionally, there's been two elements to what we do. Because at the end of the day, urban herbs is not a community interest charity. Mm. This is my job. I have got to sell things to pay our mortgage. I've got to sell things to pay my wages. Yeah to support my family and there's two elements to this there's the growing side of things and then there's the sales side of things and you know we're a business you know we we're a stockist of herbs so we work with other uk nurseries as well mm-hmm. but when it comes to the growing that we do ourselves that is so key to what we do and it's key for two reasons firstly financial because obviously it makes more financial sense um, when we sell the herbs from our production. But also it grounds me and it connects me with what we do. So in other words, I can relate to where uh, customers are in terms of the growing. I see how these varieties grow. Um, I guess I kind of like road test them before the customers do. Mm-hmm. So there's these two elements. There's the sales over here and then there's the growing. There's the two elements. And traditionally, we only get one of them right. We either sell more than we grow or we grow more than we sell. 
Yeah. This year so far, I mean, it's only taken me 12 years, <laughs> but this year it seems to be just about right. We can never grow enough because you never know when the rush is going to come. It always comes. <laughs> Spring always arrives. Yeah. That's the throwback. It got as close as we have ever got to getting it right. Amazing. Now, this year, there's actually a third element to what we do. And that is where the work that me, you and Jack is coming in so in such a timely manner. Because we've actually now got a third spoke on our wheel. Because to me personally, you know, I just made a joke saying it's only took me 12 years to get it right. Yeah. I love what I do, but that's too long. Mm. And one of the really, really exciting things to come from this year is that I feel like we're building a coalition of like-minded young businesses. So a load of young businesses in the horticultural sector has reached out, have reached out to us. Mm -hmm. And very nervously and sort of shyly, they've asked for assistance or they've asked for a few tips. And to be honest with you, you know, you made a joke just then about not copying urban herbs and what have you. Yeah. Some of these young businesses, I'm in awe of what they're doing. Like, I wish that I could do um, what they are doing because, like, they are going to be so big in the future. And I'm mm. really excited about the kind of, like, the coalition that we seem to be building of like-minded, positive young growers who are brave enough and courageous enough to try and make a business out of this, you know, mm-hmm. but also share the positive energy, work together. I think there's actually a growing recognition that like, this is a really, really hard job. This is a complicated job. And if we're all just kind of like doing our own thing on our own, it gets a lot harder. Yeah. So if you can actually come together and share that expertise share that positive energy and cooperate and work together all of our jobs become easier so we're having a great season great because the positive energy the good news is coming from all directions the hours are really long like they're insane yeah but there is and i think it's fair to say and maybe we'll talk about this on a future podcast but there are some things going on behind the scenes at Urban Herbs HQ at the moment. Challenges, personal challenges. Mm. But the season is going so well and it gives me such a source of positive energy. It's unbelievable. Um, It's like, you know, when you plug your electric car in at night and it kind of charges it up. When I go into our polytunnels, that's the effect it has on me, seriously. Mm. So it's a very long answer, but it's going awesome, Chris. I love it. I think that uh, that needs like the old Windows 95 startup theme, a little jingle for when you walk into your polytunnels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pleased to hear it, man. I mean, there's so much experience. I'm so glad to have you as part of the team and, and to, to be able to jump on podcasts with us as well, because there's a lot there to be learned. And that's something that we'll touch on in the future. But that's something I want to talk about with here, because we've done three years on this particular piece of land. But I'm pretty sure if I made a list of what could go wrong, it has gone. And so these three years, whilst at times have been joyous, also um, 
really just uh, received a text saying my pizza oven's being delivered in an hour. So I'm really distracted. <laughs> um, we, it feels like a baptism of fire. And so I feel like we've learned like double that in years, lessons from here. And I'm really keen to have people sort of learn from that, learn from your experience, learn from Jack's experience to not have to make those lessons. So it isn't a, a 12 year journey or it isn't a three years of pain journey. And one of the one of the things that and Andy alluded to it earlier is that uh, one of the next episodes coming up is going to be the three of us talking about mental health in this job, because it's something that's really important. All three of us have been through something quite difficult in the last year, and it isn't all rainbows and unicorns. But at the end of the day, I've just spent an hour talking to my mate on a podcast, potting up herbs, and they're two things that I'm kind of doing as a job. Yet they're people, what people do for fun and hobbies. And, and you said that earlier, that this is what people do to disconnect and enjoy it. So whilst there are stresses to running a business, and that's where we need to have the chats about mental health and long hours and how to manage that, this is the best job in the world, I think. And just to sort of put an end to it, I got really emotional yesterday because one of the volunteers I do, when we have a volunteer day on a Wednesday, we do a tour for the, anyone that hasn't been before. And someone at the end just said, thank you. I was like, that's oh, okay. It only takes half an hour to do this all. And they went, no, thank you for doing what you do. And there isn't many jobs other than, say, civil servants or working for the NHS where you'll get that heartfelt, genuine thank you. And for that to reconnect you to the reason that you do something is so, so powerful. Um, I don't think she really knew how much what she said meant to us here, but... Wow the sort of thing that you're looking for when, when people say I'm looking for job satisfaction, do this, man, <laughs> do what we do, do what Andy does, does do what Jack does. And, and so many other small businesses, because the positivity is incredible, even on the hard days. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I kind of don't want to say anything else, Chris, because I think that's, that's where this chat should end because I, I just can't <laughs> agree. I can't agree with what you said anymore. Thank you, man. Yeah. And, and thanks for the chat this morning as well. We've done this quite early whilst potting up, but it's been it's been great. One thing I do want to mention about positivity and positive vibes is that recently, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts um, and a lot of audio books whilst I'm doing things. But sometimes I find that disconnects me from the job I'm doing. But I've gone back to music, which seems like a weird thing to say because I, I adore music. So what we've done is we've put together uh, the Food Grower Playlist on spotify so you can go onto spotify and find the food grower playlist now i'm going to give you um a couple of seconds andy to think of the track that we're going to add today and i want people to play out in their polytunnels um and your hands have gone on your head there for anyone listening because that's not something we've planned and that's a lot of pressure but yeah search for the food grower food the food grower playlist on spotify and what i want you to do is also pop on our instagram um and just suggest songs to go in there. So we've currently got three or four. We want to build that up to be a really positive, fun playlist, really eclectic mix, so that when we're all doing these things, potting up chives or um, planting out, we can listen to the Food Grower podcast and then stick the music on and feel that positivity together. So um, Andy, over to you <laughs> to suggest the song we're going to add onto that playlist today, and I'll use it to play the podcast out. So, predictably, I can't name one song. Um, <laughs> this is probably something actually more appropriate for the uh, uh, the mental health podcast that we're going to record a little bit later, I think. 
But um, for me personally, um, there is a song by Jay-Z um, <laughs> called My First Song, which it, it speaks to me personally to do with the uh, some of the ups and downs I've had over the years. But, you know, when it comes to growing, yeah. I know exactly which song I want people to listen to while they're out in their garden, while they're out in the growing space. Because this song literally sounds to me like the best summer gardening day that you've ever had. Mm -hmm. It literally sums up the most perfect late spring, early summer evening. And I can't actually pronounce the name. But it's Nightmares on Wax by Lenoir, Lenoir, Les Dudes. How do I say that? Do you like the little French accent I did there? It was lovely. It looks like twiddling your moustache as you said it. What's that? How's it spelled, man? So it's spelled. If, if anybody knows how to say this, please just uh, drop us a comment or whatever. Um, L-E-S, N-U-I-T-S. Uh, Lenuita, I would imagine, but I don't know what that means. Um, but I would have murdered that, and I'm sure if a French person or French-speaking person can tell us what it actually means. But Chris, I, I think have... it would have been it would have been it would have sounded better if you did a, a weird fake French accent like I did. <laughs> Lenuit. Um, but we're uh, getting cancelled here, so I'm going to not do any more and uh, um, and leave that to say, yeah, check out the Food Grower playlist on. Spotify um, and Andy thanks so much for, for chatting this one it's been great yeah no Chris I've loved it as always thanks for listening to this episode of the Food Grower podcast and thanks to our sponsors Natural Grower and Direct Plants Limited, and to our new partnership with Reag Tools. You can find information about all of those on our website, foodgrower.co.uk. The next episode is a really important one. It'll be me, Andy, and Jack all there, and we're going to be talking about something that's very close to our hearts and needs talking about mental health. So please do check out that next week. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next one.